You know, Acts chapter 14, some fascinating things take place. The, the story is about Paul and Barnabas. They're in Lystra, what we would call modern-day Turkey. They do some miracles, and, and the crowd says, your gods come down from heaven. Paul and Barnabas say, no, we are just men. These healings happen by Jesus Christ. You go to verse 19, though. A different response from some in the crowd raids as such. Some Judeans came down from Antioch. They stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. You're about to see that what happened to Paul, a tremendous spiritual lesson that's happening in your life and my life on a regular basis, a tremendous lesson here to learn. You know, you go back to the 1800s and, and Scottish philosopher Thomas Carlyle, he had wanted to marry a certain person, but that marriage did not happen. He ended up marrying Jane Welch, but for 40 years they had this distant relationship. They were not close and she became ill and she eventually passed away and they had the funeral. Afterwards, Thomas Carlyle, he went home and he saw her diary, had never read it. And he picked it up and he began to read her final entries and he began to weep. He was, you know, inconsolable. Friends found him hours later just weeping. They asked him what the diary said. Here's her last two entries. I've listened all day to hear his steps in the hall. It's late. I guess he won't visit today. And then she wrote, yesterday he spent an hour with me. It was like heaven. I love him so. Thomas Carlyle had missed what was there all along. And as he wept, he just said over and over and over, if only I had known, if only I had known. You know, we don't want to be in a place living in regret. We want to have eyes to see what is there before us, what are the opportunities, how we can give, how we can expand, how we can share love. You know, Jim Rohn, the, the you know, great teacher, said it like this so clear and just so forcefully. For things to change, I have to change. For things to change, I have to change. Notice what I hadn't noticed. Do what I haven't done and make sure that I'm in line with where Christ is leading me. John Lee in China, you know, he was in this area in China where they were reaching, you know, like 30 people. He wanted to change that. So he said, I, I did two things. I started to pray every day for two hours for my community. And then I told people that knew the gospel, be sure to share it with others. They went from reaching 30 people in four months. They were reaching 200 people in a year. They were reaching 40,000 people. Again, because one person said, for things to change, then I have to change. And he did that. You know, I love it. If you go to uh, the Orthodox or Greek or Russian churches, every week their greeting is, Christ is victor. What a great statement to say, you know what? Every day we're moving closer to, to the victory that we have in Jesus. Let's take a look at Philemon. It's, it's a very short book. This is a, Paul wrote a letter. Philemon is this businessman. He's got some disagreements with how he should treat people. And so Paul writes to him about how he's treating one particular person. And Paul says this in verse 6, The communication of thy faith may become effectual. 
the communication of thy faith may become effectual. You know, we communicate our faith all the time, whether it's by words or deeds. And Paul says to Philemon, listen, if you want your life to be different, if you want your faith to communicate in a way that is effectual, you're going to have to change the way that you treat people. You'll have to change the way that you run your business. You know, and the same is there for us. You know, you know, faith that produces fruit and it results in your life impacting other people's lives. And that we could say every day, I want the communication of my faith in word and deed to be effectual, to produce fruit. Albert Barnes said of this verse in the 1800s, this verse is relative to how Philemon's faith was to be expressed. His faith was to express itself by good fruits. Same is true for you and I, that we should stop and say, I want my faith to be communicated. And when I communicate it to be effectual, to make a difference, to produce fruit, to produce results, for things to change, I have to change. Let me share something here from Harvard Medical School. You might look at things going on in the world and you see that, uh, you know, there's medical claims and then they change very rapidly. And, and maybe you've had some things that doctors said about your health or somebody you know, and then that changed. Here's a study from Harvard Medical School. The half-life of medical knowledge is 18 months. What does that mean in English? That means that over half what a doctor learns in medical school is no longer valid after 18 months. We want to stop and say, listen, what are the things that stand the, the test of time? When you're talking about physical health, but also spiritual health, psychological health, relationship health. And so what doctors learn, half of it is obsolete or, or considered even wrong 18 months later. But if you stop and say, I want to ground myself in a foundation that is built on eternal truth. What are things that produce health physically, emotionally, relationship-wise? It's things like love, building relationships. It's, it's prayer. It's what you feed your mind, your body, your spirit. It's your beliefs about what matters and what life means. You know, Bob Proctor, he passed away recently, and he, he was well-known for giving seminars about personal growth and happiness. He also wrote some, some best-selling books on that as well. That was not how he started out, though. He was working, and a, a co-worker said to him one day, he said, Bob, you're, you're a very unhappy person. You're always negative. Here's what I want you to do. And I, I suggest that uh, each of us do this as well. You can do it in just your thinking right now, but you can also do this as he instructs and put this on paper. But this man told Bob Proctor, I want you to take out a piece of paper, write the letter R on one side, and draw a line. On the other side of that line, put H-H-W. So Bob did that. And the man said, the R stands for your results. He said, you're always producing results. And Bob, are you producing the results that you want? Because on the other side, the first H is, are you happy? And he said, you're one of the most miserable people that I know. And the other H, he said, are you healthy? physical health, in your relationships, in your marriage. And they said, the W is, are you producing wealth? Do you have more than enough? They both had the same job. And Bob had to say he didn't like the results he got. He wasn't happy. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't wealthy. And I mean, I said, what do you think is the difference? We have the same job. What's different between you and me? And Bob said, I wanted to know what that was. 
And what it was, was this man's belief system. It was the things that he said and did on a daily basis. It was his attitude. And, you know, he went and studied thinking. And this promise in Scripture that Solomon said, as you think in your heart, so are you. And so Bob said, you know, I realized my thinking and my beliefs, the meaning that I gave things, it was producing the results that I was getting. I wasn't happy, healthy, or wealthy. And so he changed that and said, you know, you change your thinking, then you change your life. Think about this study here from some scientific facts. If, if you're ever feeling inadequate, come back to this and say, this is true. This is true of every life. And stop and realize when David says fearfully, wonderfully made, what we understand about that from a, a scientific standpoint today. Your body contains 30 trillion, with a T, human cells. On top of that, you have 39 trillion bacterial cells in your stomach. Your brain contains 100 billion neurons. That's the same as the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Your thigh bone is stronger than concrete. Your skin replaces 50 million cells every day. Red blood cells race through your entire body in less than 20 seconds. Incredible to try to comprehend just those few facts, but stop and think all of that is free. You and I didn't do anything for that to happen. It's, it's how you were created. And so what you're going to see from Paul in this story in Lystra it's true for you and for me because, again, there's things that stand in our way. But we need to have the eyes to see and say, you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I carry an entire universe around with me wherever I go. I love this here from Paula White, one of the best quotes I've read in a while here. Paula White, you might have seen her on TV. She's got a, an international ministry, and she herself says, you know, people think that looks easy. It's been anything but easy. Her father took his own life. She was five years old. She got married, very unhealthy marriage, got divorced, got married again, thought it was the right person. And this person, you know, got uh, addicted to drugs, had affairs. And so she's had a lot of problems. She knew she was called to be a minister. With that background, with that baggage, a lot of people had written her off. But now again, she has one of the, the largest ministries going. Well, listen to her words here. My husband's from five generations of preachers. I thank God for his rich blessings. I'm from five generations of heathens. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. It's true for you and me, no matter where you've been, what's happened in the past, make some new changes right here today for things to change I have to change when you realize that God is on your side that life is happening for you and not to you and you make some changes in line with that belief and get new thinking new language again Philemon that the communication of thy faith may become effectual second part of that verse says by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The key to having that effectual communication of faith is to acknowledge all good things we have in Jesus Christ. To say He is that life.
That's what Paul and Barnabas did there in Lystra. The people said, then you must be gods. They said, we're just people. But we serve the way, the truth, the life, the living Christ. Acknowledging every good thing from him. You know, Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, the, the book, it's very interesting. He talks about his own dad had beliefs that there's never enough. He met another man that became like a second father that said, let me tell you about unlimited possibilities and that uh, you are unlimited in your potential. Robert Kiyosaki said it like this, all behavior comes out of belief. So we have to stop and say, you know, what are the beliefs? Do I believe in, in lack and scarcity or do I believe in abundance in life? If we don't change the way we think, we'll never change the dynamics of our life. I love this here. If you don't know this, you know, Bach, back in the 1700s, this this master musician, he was known as the fifth evangelist. And there's a reason for that. And again, he did not have it easy. By the time he was 10 years old, he had lost both his parents. As a teenager, he played music and organ in the church. He produced new music on a monthly basis. But here's the thing about Bach. At the beginning of every authentic manuscript of Bach, you find the letters JJ. It stands for Jesu Java, which means Jesus help me. At the end of each original manuscript, you find the letters SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God. Two great prayers on a daily basis. Jesus help me. Let me live to the glory of God. Maybe you have challenges like Paula White did coming from that background she had. She, she made it plain when she shared the problem isn't believing whether God can do something. The problem is believing God can do it through me. But she realized, again, as hopefully you and I do, if you want to have effectual communication of your faith, Acknowledge every good thing you have in Christ and let others see that in your life. Let him so shine through. That your language is different. Your belief is different. As you base your, your entire being upon eternal truth. Some of man's best wisdom, medical wisdom, in 18 months, it's obsolete. So let's base our life on the life of Christ and have his mind. As Kenneth Copeland said, the deeper you get into the Word and the more you learn, the more you expand. The more you expand, the more Satan will fight. The more he fights, the bigger the victory. The bigger your victory, the more glory to God, the more glory to God, the more you expand. Which brings us back to Acts chapter 14. What's happening here for Paul, it's the same thing that happens for you and I. And if we see things as Paul lived out here, it's a game changer. Notice again what the word says here. Some Judeans came from Antioch. They stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city. Here's the key. Thinking he was dead. But they dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But 
This is where the promise is for you and for me. What happened is the but, the disciples gathered around and Paul got back up and went back into the city. If you focus just on those five words, change your life. Thinking he was dead, but. Because here's the reality. Some people think it's all over for you, but they don't know the resurrection power of God. Some people are going to claim your best days are behind you, but God. Some people might say, you know what, your marriage is over, and you proclaim, but God. Somebody might say that you don't have what it takes, and it's not going to happen in your life, and you say, listen, you might think that I'm dead. You might think that it's over. You might think I've come to the end of myself, but I know the resurrection power of the Christ who raises me up and gives me new life, and my life is now going to be the effectual communication of my faith because I base my life, my thinking, and my beliefs on the good things I have in Christ Jesus. The enemy's going to come along and tell you, you know what? You've disqualified yourself and you just simply say, but you trust in that life-giving Christ, the resurrection power that dwells in you. Maybe begin to declare like Paula White says, let your circumstance know that God is faithful. Let your situation know that you can praise God in the midst of adversity. Let your neighbor know I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the power thereof, that God's been good to me. He's delivered me. He's saved me. He's healed me. He's stabilized me. He's protected me. He's provided for me. As Robert Kiyosaki says, the only limitations in our life are the ones we put on ourselves. When we change our way of thinking, we change our way of living. Here's something you can begin to do this very day. Write this down. If you're not in a place where you can do that right now, then come back and listen to this and write it down. But Philippians 4.19, Kenneth Copeland has one of the largest ministries going as well. But when he started out with nothing, he began to, to use Philippians 4.19. You can do the same thing in your life. And you can do the same thing on a daily basis, no matter if it's a needing restoration to your dreams, restoration to your health, your finances, relationship, whatever it is. Take what other people have learned, experienced, and say, I can have that same outcome because I serve that same Christ. And the enemy comes along and says, I think you're dead. And you say, but God. So here's Kenneth Copeland, as he shared, my situation looked absolutely impossible at the time. I began to shout at the top of my voice, day after day, confessing hour after hour. Here is Philippians 4.19. My God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Over and over and over, declaring it, speaking it, confessing it. My God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. My God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And you confess it and you believe it and you declare it and then you stand back and watch the mountain move or move. Share something from John Ortberg here, a tremendous testimony. Letting our faith and that communication thereof become effectual. 
when we acknowledge all good things in Jesus. Here's John Ortberg. When my friend Kim was a young girl, her dad pulled the car off the road one day to help a woman change a flat tire. While he was lying under her car, another vehicle accidentally swerved to the shoulder and in the collision, the car was shoved onto his chest. His right thumb was torn off at the joint. Five ribs broken, his left lung pierced, began to fill with blood. His wife, barely five feet tall, placed her hands on the bumper of the car and prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. She lifted the car off his chest so he could be dragged out. Kim's father was in a state of shock. He was taken to the hospital. Doctors prepared him for emergency surgery. His thumb won't do him any good if he's dead, one said. His survival was iffy. Then suddenly, spontaneously, his skin changed from ashen to pink. He experienced a miraculous healing. He then invited the surgical team to join him in singing fairest, Lord Jesus. They did not even bother to hook him up to oxygen. He found out later this was the precise moment his father-in-law, a pastor, as congregations start to pray for him. Now, sometimes these stories come from not very credible sources, such as a publication sold in a grocery checkout line. In this case, however, the subject was James Loder, a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. His life was not only saved, but changed. Until then, although he taught at seminary, God had been mostly an abstract idea to him. Now Jesus became a living presence. Kim writes that her father's heart grew so tender, he became known at Princeton as the weeping professor. He began to live from one moment to the next in a God-bathed, God-soaked, God-intoxicated world. For things to change, I have to change. Thank God for the blood of Jesus.